Good morning. My name is Bill Kitchen, and I've been with Restoration for, I guess, about five years. This is the first time here in Sweetwater, and this is a great facility. So when, when A prayed at the end to bless this church, it has started because this is fantastic, and we are truly blessed. Um, Anthony asked me to step in this morning, and I've never done this before. So I've ha already had the doors locked so nobody can leave. Um, one of the virtues of this church is the strong messages that we get from Anthony. And um, I am not going to be able to fill those shoes. But at the same time, it's a privilege that I get to do this, um, even though I've never done it before, so it's not going to be perfect. It's a privilege because I get to actually talk about something that is so so important to me, and that is prayer. And there's a, there's a little list of, of, um, of scriptures that I'm going to cite, and I am not going to have a long message, even though that list is a little bit long. Um, I'm 75 years old, and it took me too many decades to learn about prayer. It took me much too long. And that's why even though I think I'm older than most everybody in here, um, I just wanted to, to share this with you so that maybe you can, you can have a shortcut if you've never thought about some of this stuff. Um, prayer, just think, the God who made the oceans, space, DNA, black holes in space, antimatter, negative matter, all of that, he invites us to talk to him, to bring stuff to him, to pray to him. That right there has got to be a mystery to me. Why, do, why, why does he love us enough that he gave his son and that he says, bring your stuff to me? And that, that is a mystery that I think that, that I'm going to have to wait until the next stage and find that one out. Um, but it, nevertheless, he invites us to, to pray to him. And prayer is therefore an intimate and personal and evangelical and protective. The hedge that Abe uh, mentioned and prayed about. Uh, that prayer is, is to hedge this church, protect this church, protect each one of us as we go through this life. Um, so that Prayer, prayer is all of these things, and it is holy. It is of God. Jesus talks about prayer. Jesus prays a lot. Some of those prayers he must have intended to be overheard because we have them in the Bible. We know at other times he would pray, and sometimes he would pray all night. Sometimes he would sweat blood. The prayers were so intense. If Jesus prayed and he taught us how to pray, the Lord's Prayer, um, he prayed in so many occasions that why pray? Well, Jesus did it. It must be something to it. Paul prays all through his epistles, and he, he shows us how to pray. Um, there are lots of ways to pray. In one of the early messages of this year, Anthony introduced us to the Acts way of praying, A-C-T-S, that prayer has a certain sequence, sort of adoration, 
and the C, confession, T, thanksgiving, then supplication, our request. That's one way to pray. But there are lots of ways. You can pray the scriptures. You can, someone you're praying for, let's use the name Bob. No, I'm going to use the name Bill. Um, um, you can substitute my name or the person you're praying for, their name in the scripture. The Lord is Bill Shepherd. You can start there with the 23rd Psalm or something. You can pray the scriptures. Africans. Incidentally, the biggest explosion of Christianity in the world today is in Africa. They are sending missionaries over here. They pray very differently. from The way they will pray is in the first 20 or 30 minutes of a long, long, long prayer. They just simply praise God, you're sovereign, you're holy, you're righteous, you're creative, you're powerful, you're just, and it goes on and on. They, they say they're opening a channel of communication, and then they come to God with the request and the confessions and the thanksgiving. So there are lots of ways to pray, um, but at the heart of all of them is that we expect answers. And the answers can trouble us. Sometimes the answer is, yes, you got it. Of course, those are the prayers, answers we really like. Sometimes the answer is, wait. Not so, we're not so patient sometimes. And sometimes the answer is no, no, beloved. The answer is no, I've got a better plan. That's one prayer that I've been praying for years, years and years. And it has not been answered the way I wanted answered. But I did finally get an answer. And the answer was, Bill, you want to do it your way or do you want me to do it my way? Well, that was a no-brainer. That's one of the, I've got a better plan because I know that prayer is going to be answered and I'll come to that in just a minute. Um, so prayer is so critically important. It gets us closer to God. Tim Keller said, prayer is not to get things, but it's to get more of God. It is not to pray just about our circumstances, but it is to pray for us to be able to get through those circumstances, not to take us away from the circumstances. So there's a lot about prayer that that we can get into as we, as we read the Bible. It's interesting that Paul, when he prayed, he almost never prayed for circumstances. He prayed for people and churches. And so there's instruction through his letters to us implicitly there. We need to pray for people. Um, I think the one of the themes that I got from Abe, and incidentally, one of the great advantages of getting here early is you get to listen to that guy warm up. And I sat back there and I listened and it was, it was fantastic. Thank you, Abe, very much. And thank you, Rob. Rob got here uh, more than an hour early and set the place up. Thank you, Rob. So this church is blessed. But one of the things Abe alluded to was that we have afflictions, we have suffering, we have addictions, we have broken relationships, trials, tribulations, you name it. 
lost jobs, lost income. We all having a pandemic. And the, the first scripture in the list you have, Paul addresses this. He says, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. There's so much right there. But it's like we're going to have suffering. That's in almost every epistle, I think, that Paul wrote. And in Jesus' ministry, he's dealing with suffering. We deal with it. Not, I would say there's not a person in here that's not dealing with something they wish they didn't have to deal with. We have it. Our families have it. It has hit me lately how much brokenness there is. From physical disease to mental disease to spiritual disease. Broken relationships, all of that. And Paul, notice the first words they say, rejoice. Really? I'm supposed to rejoice in this? He's saying yes, because something God's working on you. If you persevere, you stick with it. Never, never give up. Beloved, never give up. If you stick with it, it's going to get you closer to God. He's saying it's going to build that character. It's going to build something God-related in you. And out of that is going to come hope. Now listen. Hear this one. Hope here and throughout the New Testament doesn't mean something like, well, I hope it stops raining so I can go to the beach. I hope I can uh, pray and I'll get a Rolls Royce. It's, it's, hope here means, one writer called it, happy certainty, knowledge, assurance. It's going to happen. I don't just hope it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. So when this suffering comes along in my life, and if you don't have anything going now, you will, then Perseverance, stick with it, do not give up. God's working and something's going to happen and it's going to bring you closer to God and you're going to have some revalidation of that happy certainty that Jesus did indeed open the gates of heaven to us. He opened the gates of, to an abundant life right now to us. That's what's in this passage, at least the way I read it. Now, One of the things that we are suffering with right now at Restoration is that our pastor is a target. He is a target of the principalities of darkness. His family, they've been dealing with it now for about a month, medical issues. And so, that's, and he well knows this. God's working. God's at work. God does know what he's doing. And so, we pray for our pastor. We will pray for our pastor. Um, and we pray for, you know, you can pray at any time. So, Father, right now, I lift up Anthony and Corinne, the kids, Aiden, Addie, and Mia, that they will know you better and better and better, that they will know that they are yours, that you've got them covered, and that they will know that, Father, in a new way. And, yes, we pray for Anthony's healing that he will be 100%. He will be standing on the stage and he will be 
doing what you want him to do with this church. Father, that is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I guess that demonstrates at least that I'm going to pray at any time. One of the things I, I learned through these many decades of not praying really enough was what Paul said, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing, pray all the time. Um, power, prayer gives it to us. It gives us immense power. But we have to be alert to times to pray and how to pray. And we have to be alert to God's work. If I'm suffering as perseverance, building character, I need to be alert to it. The next scripture there on the, in your list is from, um, and now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? We can't go through life on automatic pilot. We can't go through the pandemic the lost job or the lost income or the broken relationship, I think we've got to say, God, what's going on here? God, give me some, give me some insight. He might, he might not. His better plan might be to work on my patience. That's such a thing as weight training, W-A-I-T. Learning to wait. Reading the Bible. Praying. Meditating. These kinds of things. Prayer is immensely powerful. And there are three scriptures on, on the list that um, I've, I've tried to be faithful to the context of these scriptures. According to your faith, let it be unto you. Um, Jesus, the two blind men were brought into Jesus and he, he, he healed them. And, um, and he's saying it's, it's your faith that has so much to do with answers to prayers and your connection to God. Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. This is when Jesus was um, on the road and the fig tree and he basically curses the fig tree that it will not have any more figs um, and his disciples are just amazed at this, and so he says this to them. He says, if you believe. Well, that must tell me my faith is, is missing something, because I haven't made any mountains jump into the sea lately. But that's not quite what it means, I think. I think it's what's the mountain in my life? What's the mountain in your life that, that needs belief and prayer? And God's power. This prayer is a little bit like um, the military is out in the field and they call in the big artillery. God's got the big artillery. Prayer is simply calling it in. And the third, the next one, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes, this is a mute boy uh, that was brought to Jesus and Jesus cast out uh, the demon that had kept this boy mute since birth and, um, and caused the boy to go through all kinds of seizures and all of that. And, and Jesus is saying, prayer 
some demons can only be handled by prayer. And incidentally, we don't talk about demons very much in, in churches today, it seems, but Jesus did confronted them. So there's a reality. Paul says that's the reality that, that we are dealing with. And the next quote there says that if you don't know it, you need to know it, Paul is saying. We are engaged in a spiritual warfare. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. He's talking about how a church can hold itself together and the power of prayer and the gospel and truth is the weaponry that we use. In this church, we have three big values. We call them gospel, community, and mission. And these are weapons in this spiritual warfare. Gospel, knowing the good news and living the good news, knowing who Jesus is and being ready not to force him on somebody, but to be ready to talk about Jesus in words if appropriate, but always in lives. Gospel, community is a second value this church has very prominently, that we, we do it together. We learn, we pray, we support each other, we grow together. In, in the home group that I'm in, it's just amazing how much I learn from everybody else. It is, it's really amazing. When the church we were in in Maryland before my wife and I moved down here, they had home groups. And one day Beverly said, we should join a home group. And I'm saying, are you kidding me? No way. And being the woman she is, she said, well, I'm going. Well, I'm not going to let her go by herself. So we went. We went. Was one of the best decisions we, my wife, ever made. <laughs> one of the best decisions ever made for me. It was, and so we're still in a home group. And how much we learn, and we get to serve together. We get to do stuff together. We can rely on each other. God knew what He was doing in more ways than one. We hit some rough roads. A few weeks later, very, very rough roads in the valley. Critical stuff. And we shared in home group. Home groups there share very intimately. And the home group fasted and prayed for us for weeks. I hope they had a little juice or something. I mean, they kept going, but community, community. It's a very important value. And the third major value this church has is, is mission. We don't just associate with ourselves. We should spend time with non-believers or those we think may be non-believers and other people. Reach out. Christ will be known through us or he will not be known. And so mission is critical. So those values are what what restoration uh, has as, it, as its core, gospel, community, and mission.
get to the very heart of what I wanted to say. All of that's introduction. Okay, now the heart of it. Don't we all know people that we think may not be right with God? Or people that we may not, we think may not be close to God? In our families, in our neighborhoods, workplaces. I would think we all know those people. And there may be some right in this room. Well, prayer is an answer, and here's how that works, at least in my opinion. Number one, God does not want anyone to perish. He wants no one to perish. The scripture from Peter on the sheet. Number two, God loves every one of us more than we can even put into language, immeasurably. Look, he gave his son for us. As a human man, there was tremendous pain and torture and anguish. And as God, he apparently had separation from God. Why have you forsaken me? So, how much love he had, has for us. He wants no one to perish. He loves us. Third, he intervenes. God has intervened in every life in here. I mean, I just told you about at least one of the interventions in my life. He put us in a home group, and then uh, the power of prayer was brought for our family. Most interventions won't be as spectacular as Jonah and the whale, where Jonah was saying, I don't want to go to that city, and God said, you're going. And uh, Jonah ends up in that city. There are interventions. So he doesn't want anyone to perish. He loves us. He intervenes. And finally, he answers prayer. The Bible is full of his truths and his promises. And if we pray those truths and those promises, Jesus is essentially saying that prayer will be answered. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified and the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Obviously, that doesn't mean, okay, God, I want a son now. I want to go to the beach. And John, in his epistle, paraphrases Jesus. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. He wants no one to perish. I'm praying that truth to him. It is his will that no one perish. One writer said, if there are a lot of people who are not saved, it's because the churches are not praying for them. Because here we have it. He wants no one to perish. We pray that truth and other promises because he said he'll hear us. Then those prayers, they're going to be answered. He's not going to say, well, yeah, I do want some to perish. I'm not, I, I'm not going to... He doesn't make that adjustment. 
So he has no one to perish. He loves us. He intervenes and he answers those prayers according to his will. And he has told us what his will is. So that to me is not just a lifesaver. It's a soul saver. If I know someone or if you know someone who needs that prayer, he is saying, bring it to me. Bring it to me. I don't want them to perish. This is echoed all the way into Revelation, where at the very end, I think it's only four or five verses from the very end of Revelation, the last book in the Bible. It says, The Holy Spirit and the bride say, Come. We are the bride. We are the bride. We are the church. Collectively, in that next stage, we're the bride. And collectively, it's like we're part of one thing, like the hand and the foot, they're part of the body. Well, we're part of the bride. And the Holy Spirit and the bride, us, say come. It's a partnership. It's a profound and mysterious kind of partnership. And then I, I put a note at the very bottom of the sheet. Now, some prayers that not even heard. It's just a list of the scriptures there that you can look at because I've always sort of heard it that, well, God hears all prayers. Well, scripture says he doesn't hear all prayers. And I point out, it has been pointed out to me, the last one on the list, a husband's prayer is, if he does not treat his wife with respect, will be hindered. Hindered means that uh, Francis Chan says that means the prayer is going to bounce off the ceiling. It's not going to make it out of the room. So there's some prayers that won't be heard. Uh, I just thought that was interesting to put that in there since I may never be invited back to this forum. <laughs> I wanted to put that thing in there. Therefore, conclusion, we, we pray to glorify God and yes, to tell him what's on our heart. He wants all of that. We pray to draw closer to God. And in the suffering, he's going to work on us. And the pain is going to be worth it if it draws us closer to him. We pray not to get out of circumstances, but to get through them. We thank God for his truths and his promises and his blessings and his non-blessings. Rejoice in all things, back in that first quote. That's the hard one. But we, we thank him in our prayers. And we, we pray for those who we think may be far from him, that he will draw them to him. And we thank him for his truth that he wants no one to perish. We thank him for his promise that we'll, he will answer these prayers according to his will. And especially in this season, and I think Abe alluded to this also, our nation is, we're in a strange and sad situation. Not just the pandemic, but the divisiveness, all of that. We're instructed to pray for all of those in authority, not just the ones on my side, but the ones on the other side, too. We're instructed to pray for them. Now, what do we pray for them? 
seems to be almost that simple. And our nation, we're told in the book of Chronicles that, that if, we will, if we will seek God's face and humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways, he will heal our land. So we, we need to pray for the nation. Can it matter that just a few little people hear us, that we pray for the nation? Apparently it matters because throughout Scripture, we're told to pray on these things that we're told to pray for those in authority. And we're shown if we pray for the nation and those other things, turn from our wicked ways and humble ourselves and seek his face. And prayer is seeking his face that he will heal the land. So, I'll close us in prayer now, but I would like to open the opportunity as I pray for people that are in trouble and broken relationships or, or sickness or jobs or family stuff or whatever, that you can call out the name of the person that you want this prayer to be for them also. And if you don't want to violate our confidence, and we don't want to do that, then just say a friend who, who needs you for or something like that. So, Father, we do come to you, and we know that you are, uh, are a merciful God of grace and love and joy and also justice and healing and protection. Father, you are holy, and we thank you for that. You have declared us righteous, and you have opened up oh, all kind of abundant spiritual life to us here in salvation. We thank you everything that Jesus did for us. And Father, equip us to make Jesus known not only in us and among us, but through us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you indwell us. God breathed himself into every one of us in this room. We thank you for all of this, Father. And we do pray for those in authority, that they will know you better, follow your ways better, be alert and perceive it, what you would have for them, to be your people better, Father. The ones who are far from you, Father, I pray that you will draw them to you. And yes, Father, I pray for this nation. We have all kind of problems. I think, Father, I read some statistic that about 30% of the people who went to church before the pandemic are not going back, either remotely or in person. Father, I pray for this nation that we will turn back to you Father, we need a revival. And I pray that this nation will turn back to you, Father, in a mighty and energetic, vibrant, visible way. And Father, in, in our own lives, we, we know people, we know brokenness and pain and affliction, addiction, mental pain, physical pain, Father. Right now, we lift these people up to you.
lift up, I'll lift up Bo Jr. and Bo Senior and Randy and Rory, but they will know you. If anybody has names here or situations they want to bring out, do that now. unspoken prayers. We are so often a private people, but you know us intimately, and you know those prayers, those unspoken prayers, Father. So we lift all of them up to you. We trust you. We follow you. We try to obey you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Have a very good Sunday. God will be with us every step of the way. That's another amazing truth.